Hello, you're listening to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast. This is Paper Talk, where we look at the big stories in Scottish football. Callum Fisher and Connor Park have stayed on with me to talk about this. There is only one place to start, though, and that is at Ibrooks, where David Weir and Mark Warburton are the new management team. They've both been given three-year contracts. Callum, your immediate thoughts on the issue and what it means for Rangers? I think it's what Rangers needed. I think they needed a clean break, uh, a fresh start. Certainly, <clears throat> away from sort of ex-players and and you know nine in a row sort of thing, you know, of pl- managers things like that. Obviously, Weir has played for the club before, but I think in a role that many supporters will be happy with the fact that he can come in, he knows what the club's about, he can he can you know help Warburton adjust uh, not only to Rangers but to Scottish football as well. And I think you know Warburton's not been in the game too long. Certainly as a manager, I think it's only been a couple of years, but what he does have is a, a fantastic track record um, of doing well um, and, and producing youngsters and playing attractive football, which is something that I think every football fan probably wants to see from their club, but uh, Rangers fans in particular um, have been longing for this for a while. It is a risk, you know, for 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 such a big club to, to appoint a manager who, as I say, hasn't been in the game long and there has to be now the immediate objective of getting promoted uh, or, or winning the championship next season, but I think it's I think it's something that's excited Rangers fans, and, and it's something that you know of all the candidates, maybe Cathro aside, they they've really wanted, um, and I, I, you know certainly from from what I've seen, the overwhelming majority of Rangers supporters are, are really excited, and I think that can only be good for for the board because it, it puts them in a good light. It lo- it makes them look progressive. Um, it makes them look like they're forward thinking. They're not just relying on, for example, an Alex McLeish or someone like that to come back in, and it will be the same as it was ten years ago. You know, and on another level, it'll help get people through the through the door again, which you know is is what. Rangers need is, is, is money and, and people coming to see the games and they need those big crowds back at Ibrox and I think this certainly will, will do that Yeah, Mark Warburton becomes the 15th manager of Rangers and the first Englishman in the post in their history some quotes from him he says it's about firm foundations and not short term fixes he also says that any competition you enter you go to win it an interesting point, we've just seen him being unveiled there Connor. He was asked if he's been told he has to win the the championship, and he answered with that that any competition you enter, you go to win it rather than really answering the question. Do you think? Do you think it is one of the the remits is to to win the championship? I think it must be. Um, you know, he's not going to come out and say anything daft like I will win the championship, or or he's not even going to allow the pressure to be put on him by admitting that the, he's expected to win the championship. But I think everybody knows that inside Ibrox, the aim will be to win the championship. Arguably, you would say Rangers should be winning that championship. They've got Hibs in there just now with them. But you know, even at that, I would have I would expect Rangers that they would be stronger than Hibs and, and should be further up. I think the issue is that championship has got a kind of group of maybe four teams who I think are going to be quite strong next year I'm not saying they're all going to be competing for the title but they will all pick up a similar amount of points against the part-time teams and the teams in the bottom half the games that will really prove whether Rangers 
can win promotion and whether Mark Warburton has got what it takes to be the manager is when it comes to head-to-heads against the teams that are likely to be in and around those playoff positions because they're the teams that will, you know, with no disrespect to Aloha, will go to Aloha and should be picking up the three points. They will play like they've done Barton at home and will be expected to pick up three points. It's they teams that the head-to-heads will really determine where Rangers seasons finish last year they really couldn't do it against Hibs Falkirk they took quite a fair amount of points from but the performances weren't that convincing the last game finished 2-2 Queen of the South they didn't take that many points from Queen of the South played well against them at Palmerston they struggled down there and of course you've got this new entity of St Mirren who nobody really knows how they're going to play they've not really made many signings but they've got a good strong young manager Dean Murray so it just it's about seeing who he recruits over the next month, but he's not going to run away with the league. I just don't think that's going to happen this year. It'll be tight, and it'll be about those head-to-heads, and it's a it's a record that he's going to have to substantially improve on from last year. I think. Sorry, just to to quickly come in on Connor's point there. As he said, I think a lot will determine on who he brings in, what sort of style he wants to play who he moves on because I still believe there's players within that squad that will be moved on and I think what we have to remember here is Rangers have lost a substantial amount of players you know already um, so it's going to be a very different looking Rangers team I believe uh, next season I think it will be a younger team but what I think we will have is we'll have experience but not in a negative way in which sort of maybe McCulloch became last season where he didn't have it and the leadership qualities that he had, you know, weren't good enough for Rangers. Players like that or Miller who's, you know, his pace has left him or Boyd who goodness knows what happened there. I think you'll have in a style sort of similar to what David Weir was when he was a player whereby he was a he was a he was an influence as a leader. He he could help younger players. I think you'll see the sort of more experienced players like that will be brought in. But I think Warburton's a man that at Brentford used the loan system very well. You know, you had the likes of Alex Pritchard in there from Spurs. I think he he, he knows his way around the lower leagues and things like that uh, in England. So, you know, it, it's an, excite, an exciting appointment. I think there are people out there that are probably, you know, sceptical, but I think the majority of them come from probably outside uh, of, you know, of Rangers. So, you know, it's it'll be interesting. I think a lot remains to be seen before we can start casting aspersions about what this Rangers team will or won't do. Yeah, he's a bit of an unknown figure, so we'll just give a bit of background. He played for Leicester City, Enfield and Boreham Wood, so he was never a, a well-known player. Um, not that that means anything at all. He coached the Watford Academy and then also had a role at Brentford. He then became manager of Brentford, I think, two years ago and took them up from League One, which is the first time they've ever been in the second tier of English football. He then, alongside David Weir, led them to a playoff position this year where they were beaten by Middlesbrough in the semi-finals. So another terrific achievement. He's obviously moved on to Rangers now. We've got a high endorsement here from the, the Brentford fans chief. He says that he's not surprised to see Mark Warburton go to Rangers, particularly as he was keen to continue the partnership with David Weir. Um, he also says that the connection's been clearly uh, it's clearly been very influential and the relationship between them certainly has flourished. Do you think, Callum, that David Weir will have a big role in uh, showing or telling Mark Warburton about Scottish football and kind of opening, opening his eyes a wee bit? Well, I think, personally for me, I think Warburton may have known that he's got the job um, for, maybe, for maybe a week or two now. 
and I think he seems like he, he's a smart guy, obviously, um, and I think he will have done his research, um, and I think he I think he knows what he's getting himself into, not just at a club like Rangers, but in terms of what he'll be up against next season. We are obviously will have a huge uh, a huge role. He knows what it's like to be at Rangers. He's probably in in, in terms of my you know recollection, is probably one of the best Rangers captains um, that there has been. So he's you know and if it and it has worked in the past, and I think that's that's key for for it to have worked in the past, and then for Weir to be coming to a club that he knows that you know he had. A lot of success that can only can only be a good thing and can only be a boost uh, to the to the management situation. What you were saying there about the Brentford fans, chief, that's another interesting thing. A lot he's he's gone he, or he's came to Rangers and he's left Brentford with a lot of uh, you know good things said about him from players, from from fellow managers, from from fans, uh, from the Brentford board as well. So I think it's all positive at the moment. And uh, you know it, it's it's looking looking good even in these early stages. Well, the newspapers are obviously choosing to lead mostly with the the news of Mark Warburton being appointed Rangers manager. There's also a bit of coverage for the Scotland game. the The Sun is makes a point about Mark Warburton being given a lesson in management from Jock Wallace on how not to do the job. Uh, I think he was asked in his press conference today about. His relationship with Jock Wallace, he didn't. I don't think he enjoyed working under him. I think it was. I I, I do remember reading about this. It's not that he didn't like Jock Wallace. It's just he wasn't yeah, a fan of his, his methods. Of his yeah. methods. He said. I mean, he, he said himself in the press conference. You know, with all due respect and things like. That, I think he does respect Jock Wallace, but just. I mean, it happens. I'm sure every club in the world. Yeah. But it's typical media. If we can pick up on a negative connotation or a negative story. Um, or angle to spin this, then then we're going to use it. But you know, I, there's nothing really in that, in my opinion. And ex Rangers player John Daly, of course, now has warned the new boss Warburton that he has to hit the ground running. It's an interesting comment from a player that struggled, I think, to score five goals last year. Well, I mean, it didn't help that he was injured, but um, I mean, everybody seems to have their, their opinion on this. My personal opinion, um, as a Rangers fan is the fact that Rangers, I think, will start off better than we did last year. Um, but I do think there needs to be a lot of patience. Because as Warburton said, and, and, and Warburton's actually quite indicative of the board as well, in terms of the board are saying, look, this is not a short-term fix, the club in general. And Warburton's saying, look, the playing side of things, it's not going to be a short-term fix. So there has to be an element of patience there now. If it gets to, say, November, December and we're struggling, then there will be a bit of apprehension and, dare I say it, hysteria about what's happening. But, as I say, it's difficult to tell at this at this stage, but I think, you know, I, I think that Warburton knows what he's got himself in for, Weir knows what he's got himself in for, and I think we just need to, to really wait and see before having to say, you know, you need to hit the ground running or, or, or you know, we'll, we'll run away with the league or we'll struggle or whatever. I think a lot has to happen uh, in the next f- couple of months, even few weeks, before we can really judge. The Evening Times reporting that Christian Daly thinks that Rangers um, should not be phased by a repeat of being in the second division or the, the championship, the second tier of Scottish football. Christian Daly, of course, the ex-Rangers player. 
How do you think his opinion can uh, compares to those of the fans? Obviously, you'd rather be in the top division, but Christian Daly here reckons that it might have been a year too early if Rangers had gone up this year. Do you think that's no, something no, that I fans agree with? Agree that, with? Yeah. I, I mean, I've said it before, we weren't good enough to go up last season. You know, When it got into the playoffs and we had a wee bit of momentum, you, know, you were thinking, yeah, it'd be great to go up because when you're in that position, well, you're in that position, so you might as well want your team to do well. But truth be told, we weren't good enough. We finished third in the championship, and for Rangers, that is or should be unthinkable. But you know, the club was a complete mess last season. Thankfully, now things are on the right track. It's a fresh start. It's, uh, I believe, it's a, it, and I think Orbiton's appointment is is really indicative of how much of a fresh start it is. So it, it, it's a completely different situation for Rangers this season, and I think we shouldn't be phased by it. And I think actually some of the players that brought in should relish it. Um, because you know, this is this is a really exciting time at Rangers, and you know, I, I I am really looking forward to it. The Daily Record is, of course, reporting about the man who's almost been forgotten, Stuart McCall. Obviously, the previous well, caretaker manager of Rangers, saying that Mark Warburton's a I don't know if it's a direct quote or not, but he says you're the luckiest man in the world, Mark. Do you think Stuart McCall will find another job pretty easily, or do you think that that stint at Rangers has harmed harmed him? It's it's difficult because what McCall was was he was better than McCoyst, but he was not. She still wasn't good enough. And if we were basing it on being better than McCoyst, you know, the, well that's not really much. I th- will he find a new job? I'm sure he will. You know, he's he's, he's got a, he's a fairly integral part of the Scotland setup. Um, I think what it showed is McCall got the players fitter and he got a bit more organisation about the place but I still don't think that he's really up there in terms of, 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 of being a, a really quality coach We've talked in length in a previous podcast about the Ireland-Scotland game on Saturday so we won't go into that in too much detail however the Sun is reported on the back page that James McCarthy says he's innocent of elbowing um, who was it again <coughs> Russell Martin that he elbowed he says it's Part and parcel of football, I went for the ball and obviously the boy had a cut, but I didn't know anything about it. We've already kind of talked about that, but do you do you think do you buy that from, from James McCarthy? I don't know what to buy really, because we've heard stories and and papers and immediate aftermath of the game about how he apologised twice and he was sorry and he didn't he didn't mean it and everything. So I think it's hard to really kind of divulge what's actually going on there. In my opinion, the the video evidence shows that he did mean to do it. Um, but I mean, it's up to the boy. Seemed fired he up anyway. Had that late challenge in Scott Brown, and also um, Russell Martin didn't seem too frustrated about it after the game. He said, "Can it was all sorted out? He didn't want to talk about it." But during the game, he was he was certainly adamant that it was some yeah. sort of contact had been made. Well, I mean, it's very easy to say how sorry you are after you've done something, you know. Um, for me, as I said on the on, on the pod that we've done on this on the game, he's gone in with the elbow and he's meant it. So you know he can apologise all he wants. In my opinion, and I think in the vast majority of people's opinion, he's meant it and should have been sent off for it. So you know it's something that to move on from. Scotland got what they needed out of that game. So you know it's it's happened uh, and it's just just move on from it really. The Evening Times also reporting that Ekechi Anya has refused to rule out a summer move to Celtic and he hopes that his, his display at the Viva Stadium proved a point to Gordon Strachan. Do you be the kind of player that Celtic could do with at the moment? Two millions, the, the price they're talking about? 
I think he would be a, a very welcome addition. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because the question that always comes to my mind is, we've seen how well he can play in a, in a Scotland shirt, but he's obviously not producing those performances week in, week out. And, and you know, it's £2 million for Celtic to pay for him is, is a lot of money. And, you know, is it a signing that would almost actually, in many ways, at first look, it would be a great signing, but would it actually be a slight risk? I think it would be because there's nothing to say that on big nights in Europe, uh, week in, week out, he's going to be able to produce that. If he does, he would rip, you know, the Premiership apart and he'd be a very, very... Um, good signing and actually for what he's getting paid £2 million would be very cheap for him but I think what we've seen is that he's obviously not doing that week in week out but you know what it might be a gamble that Dyla takes and one that will pay off because if he can get the best out of him it would be a fantastic addition for Celtic Whenever any team is linked with you it means that some, you're doing something right but I just focus on the football and if things materialise then they materialise that's a direct quote from Akechianya on the issue now, Conor, I know there's something you want to bring up uh, concerning Dundee. Yeah, I mean, they've had a very busy summer so far. Um, I think it's six or seven signings they've brought in, and it's certainly looking like they were they're going for the business early. And I mean, Paul Paul Hartley speaking yesterday, saying that um, his aim next year is is not just to compete within the Premiership, but to also go out and. And, and do something in the cup competitions. If you actually think about it, it must be a, a fair number of years since Dundee did something in cups, because I can't remember it um, within the past few years. I mean, the signings he's made so far have been um, very strong. Um, Goalkeeper David Mitchell coming in from Stranraer. Um, then he's actually signed from the lower leagues, which doesn't surprise me because I mean, Paul Hartley is used to doing that. He's, he signed Rory Lowe from Falkirk, a, a proven goal scorer and, and somebody that will vastly improve the forward line. And he'll be up top with Kane Hemmings, who had a fantastic uh, couple of seasons at Cowden Beath before moving down to Barnsley. And I think that the big thing is what he's done there is, is he's brought in a, a ready-made partnership. I mean, Hemmings and Loy were at Rangers together, but they have remained, um, you know, good friends since then. And I think they will work as a dynamic very, very well for Dundee. Mickey Lockland from Aberdeen, slightly unproven up there, but seems a decent enough player to fit in. Kevin Holt had a fantastic season with Queen of the South, and Daryl Meggett the same with Alloa. So he seems to have recruited very, very well. Uh, I think, as a city as a whole, Dundee would be you know, a, a, a team that are needing something in the Cups. They've not done it for a while, and I think it would give a massive, massive lift to the place. But, but the quote that kind of interests me most is he said he's only now looking to bring in maybe one more player, which... Maybe I'm being a bit sceptical about it, but I, I thought personally that, um, or I was expecting another two or three to come into Dundee purely because of what I've seen them do in the past. Um, but you know what, if that's what they're limiting themselves to, then they've recruited very well with not a lot of, of outlay um, being made. I think Hemmings and Loyal be the obvious most expensive players there, but... Apart from that, you know, they've recruited from the lower leagues, they've recruited well and they could be a team to watch next season. They've done their business early, plenty of time for them to gel together. Um and I just think you know, look at maybe Hamilton last year, fantastic start to the season. Dundee can be uh, you know, follow on in their footsteps this year and be the team that's the kind of surprise package that's near the top of the end of the division. Certainly, just to quickly come in on that, you know, to, to think of Hemings and Loy who have both scored as you you know have done well in the lower divisions for that if that partnership works uh, together then then certainly that sounds like something that could be a real threat to other teams and you know 
if that, I mean, Dundee have got some really, really good players there. Like so Scott Bain as well. Whether he stays or not is obviously um, yet to be seen. But as Connor says, that it sounds like Dundee could be a, could be a real surprise. Maybe not even a surprise package. Just a, a real good team next season and, and could certainly do something. Another issue I want to talk about is the whole McGinn, John McGinn thing at St Mirren. The chairman of St Mirren, Stuart Gilmore, has revealed that McGinn has taken legal action against the club after the the now, I think, infamous training ground prank that went horrifically wrong and cut short his season. I know you've got your thoughts in this corner. You think that, or you thought that it might actually be Stephen Thompson that would be taking... Um, action against yeah I think at the moment everything's kind of obviously there's lawyers involved and everything so it's it's been kept quite quiet about what actually is going on there but on first look at the incident you know I'm not unless there's an aspect of this that we don't know about um, I, I just don't completely see where St Mirren come into the whole legal side of this because it's it's not a an as far as I know, or as far as people have been told, it's not an, an incident they could prevent it. It's something that Stephen Thompson has done. And it also brings into question then slightly, you know, you're, you're taking your own teammate to legal action, your own club that are, are still employing you at the moment. There's, I, 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 I think it's very unclear at the moment, but there's, to me there maybe has something else going on. I, I don't know, because I just... The, maybe the thing be, and obviously... It confuses me. Uh, None, none of us here are legal experts, but it'd be something like because it took place on their, their training, yeah, ground. their training ground at their pro- or because the pole, as ridiculous as that sounds, was property of St. Murn, that it, it's somehow it just yeah, seems it's just, it's, yeah, it is pole. a very bizarre incident, um, from, from the incident and now obviously legal action. Yeah, it's the quote from uh, the chairman, Stuart Gilmore, is that it would be improper for me to make any comment or anything regarding an employee. However, he may not be an employee for much longer. That's not a quote from him, that's me saying that. Uh, he is out of contract, and if he leaves St Mirren, the club would be due about £270,000 in compensation. Do you expect to see him at the club next season? I don't think he will be. I think the issue is, you've got a team that's just been relegated. Not many players leave a team that's been relegated for £270,000 um, you know I don't doubt the boy's got the quality and is worth that but it's whether people uh, see past the whole relegation okay probably last year wasn't great for St Mirren I think it's just been interesting to see who would be willing to come in and spend that money because unlike Kenny McLean you know, John McGinn, people have been talking about this incident for the past six weeks, whereas the six weeks leading up to Kenny McLean leaving St Mirren for Aberdeen, it was all about how fun. well he was playing. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's one of the interesting ones, he could be kind of stuck in the sense that, you know, not that many people are willing to pay that amount of money. Um, and he's not exactly set, you know, being the most prolific player last season that's going to merit that sort of a price tag. So he could, I don't think it will be, but he could well be back at uh, St Mirren Park next season. Elsewhere, obviously, with transfer-wise, Martin Boyle is now expected to say a deal with Hibernian. It was on loan nearly the end, towards the end of last season, 17 appearance season. It's also, I mean, he came in and any time I saw him for Hibernian, he looked a threat. Um, I was actually surprised, you know, Dunyami didn't make a move to bring him back to Dens Park. But Hibernian is another team in that championship they'll be interesting to see they're kind of going for a similar approach they're signing Boyle again they're looking to add Liam Fontaine to an extended contract um, and who do they bring in you know I just I think it'll be interesting to see how much money they spend how much they go for it and also 
at least with one eye be on what's going on at Ibrox because if they see that Rangers I don't know what's going to happen but if Rangers go out and spend mega and they, they know they're not going to compete with that then you know they might say well we go for second and they buy players that are going to get them that I actually just firstly I think I don't think Rangers will spend I don't think I think this thing that's mainly been drummed up in the media that King's going to come in and go here there's 20 million pounds and not a chance yeah exactly there's no chance of it happening right the the whole the whole thing at Ibrox is about <coughs> doing things sensibly but getting it right. In terms of Hibs, I think what Stubbs will see is the fact that we were the I reckon they were probably the best football inside in that division last year. Now Hearts ran away with it, but I think what you'll see is if we keep doing what we're doing, we're at least guaranteed a playoff, if not a wee bit better. So if we keep the core sort of nucleus of this team and the sort of talented young boys, Scott Allen, Cummings that lot then I think he'll, he'll think we can win this division you know they, the more the season went on they improved uh, a lot um, I don't doubt that what Rangers do will probably have a wee bit of a bearing on, on what Hibs do but I think that the, the thinking or what I perceive the thinking to be in terms of Alan, Alan Stubbs is that uh, he, he will want to try and keep as many of those players as he can keep the squad relatively the same with maybe one or two additions and, and, and I think he'll firmly believe that they can win the league few bits of transfer news for you. St Johnson are set to lose out on their move for Irish striker Joe Gormley from Cliftonville. He's just finished top scorer in Northern Ireland for the second season in a row. Obviously we've seen after the, the success that um, Liam Boyce has had at Ross County, that kind of player would probably do, do a good job. He's only been looked at for about 25 grand, but it's likely to be beaten, their bid's likely to be beaten by Peterborough. Is it not today in the news, though, that John Sutton's joining St Johnston? Yeah, I think he's he's rejected uh, Kilmarnock and... Motherwell, staying at Motherwell. Yeah, so yeah. Um, that, that came another interesting one. Another one is, this is more kind of Corner Street, you might have heard a bit about this corner, that uh, Dumbarton are waiting, are playing the waiting game to see if they're going to land Mark Brown from Ross County. Obviously became the second choice at Ross County after Reguero. Um, kind of had his good end of the season during that great run they went on. Um, would he be kind of plus at Mirren are also looking there? I think his I think his destination will be in the championship. I think I don't th- see a Premiership team making a move from, but I do think, with all due respect to Barton, I think Stephen Aitken's come in there, recruited not badly. They've lost out on a couple of key players in the midfield, though. Um, I think he'll be one that. I was about to say, I didn't know St Mirren were interested, but my words to me were going to be, I could see him going to sign for something like St Mirren. They've not got a keeper at the moment. I think he's maybe not quite at Hibs level, because obviously they're looking for a keeper just now. Um, the Championship, there's going to be a lot of teams looking for keepers next year. I mean, they've got the uncertainty of Jamie McDonald as well at Falkirk. Um, of course, linked with Kilmarnock. It'll be interesting to see that one, where he decides to stay with Falkirk, or I'm sure there'll be other teams looking for him as well. Um, I think Hibs will. I can't see them signing a Scottish keeper. I think that what's been shown last year is he'll use the loan market in England very well. He'll bring some up again to a similar mould to Mark Oxley. So I mean, Dumbarton, you know, looks like they'll be in that kind of middle to bottom half of the table. I think Mark Brown would, in himself, feel they could maybe get somebody a little bit higher than that. But it wouldn't surprise me to see him there because of the competitiveness the competitiveness of that league a lot of players actually want to go and play there and, and, and enjoy 
what they're doing and that league will this year provide another spotlight for players that are on the cusps of being able to make a move up so of course he's going to end his career but it's another one where he makes some good saves he might get another move to a final year in the Premiership or something yeah, another another interesting story, not directly to do with Scottish football, but remember Sol Bamba, he is set to join Leeds in a two-year contract after leaving, or he's set to go to Leeds from Palermo, I don't know how he ended up at Palermo to be totally honest, but former Hibs and Unfermline player. Another interesting story I want to bring up is a possible return of Lewis McLeod to Rangers. Uh, Warburton was asked about it in his press conference today and he made a kind of interesting answer, oh, we'll see with a wee smirk. So do you think that's, that could be a possibility? I, I definitely think there's something in it, whether it, whether it's a possibility or not. Um, I've said in the past, I think McLeod's got certainly the the potential to go on to be a fantastic player, um, a Scotland international at the very least. You know, Warburton's reaction was interesting. The 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 smile and and such, um, to me, says there's something in it. I don't think Brentford would be looking for too much, um, to 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 for us to bring him back. I think it would probably just be a, a maybe a reimbursement of of what they paid for him, and maybe a sweetener. You know, maybe another player that they're interested in going the other way, or maybe you know maybe. The, the fee going up uh, a little bit but I would certainly uh, love to see him back at, at Rangers I think he's a fantastic player um, but it remains to be seen you know. Um, but I, I do think there's something in it as I said it just remains to be seen what, what happens Another story is that John Gadetti is set to swap England for Udinese and I don't think any of us really care about that to be totally honest he's, uh, he's finished with Scottish football all so. the best to him in uh, Serie A because I don't think uh, if he <laughs> If he finds that um, he can't score goals in Scotland, then he won't be scoring goals in Serie A. So, yeah. uh, you know. Hmm. I know you've got a, an issue you want to bring up. It's regarding Clyde. They've, they've basically scrapped their youth academy doing that, blaming a reduction in funding from the SFA. It's, well, I'll start off by saying, you know, it's, a youth academy is obviously an integral part of most Scottish clubs, so it's a surprise to see them scrap it in, in its entirety. You know, I don't doubt they maybe had to cut it or something, but to have it completely gone is, is an interesting one. Um, it came as a shock for me to see that it was Clyde. Now, that, some people might say, why is that? But I get what they're saying about the SFA funding, but they've made a lot, a lot of good signings this year. Players that were on full-time teams last year have moved to join them. You had, well, Sean Higgins was obviously part-time with Cowden Beast, but he's a proven goal scorer. He's jumped down two divisions to go and play with them. Chris Mitchell, former Falkirk player, was full-time with Queen of the South. He's joined them. You've got um, you've got a couple of very good players from the lower leagues. Um, picked up, let's say, Chris Smith, who's been around that kind of area. But then they also signed Scott Linton and Archie Campbell from Dumbarton. Championship teams, I'm not saying that Dumbarton would have kept them on, but that's a big jump down to go from Championship to League 2. Archie Campbell was scoring goals for fun and with Morton in the Premiership only two seasons ago. Um, I just think that, I'm not saying that they could have done it alternatively, but just when I heard the news, it did come as a surprise to me purely down to those that they have signed. Um, I mean, the club obviously, I've, I've came out and said that 
well, this is an official statement, as the club has reluctantly concluded that it will not participate in competitive youth football within Club Academy Scotland. With decreasing grant funding coming from the SFA for community clubs, a significant resource is required to comply with CAS participation and the governing body's commitment to elite player development. Clyde FC has reluctantly concluded that the finance and resources necessary to operate within the CAS model cannot be sustained while it occupies the lower tiers of the Scottish game. Ah, you can breathe now. <laughs> but, uh, no, that was... That was a statement there from Clyde, um, but no, I agree with you. It's an interesting one because they have bought a kind of a couple of, of bigger names for that kind of club. Obviously, it probably helps having a manager like Barry Ferguson in place. Mm-hmm. Is he still playing? I don't. Well, I I'm think sure. I'm he sure was he registered not, as a player. I'm, I'm sure he did he not. A backward uh, did he not announce season. his retirement a couple of weeks? I'm sure. I I might be wrong, but I might have dreamt it even or something like that. But I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there was something where he, he announced he was retiring or something. something yeah. Like yeah, moving up a division, Brecon City have appointed Darren Dodds as a new manager. Dodds spent the last two seasons playing for Forfar Athletic, but he has become the new manager at Brecon, uh, replacing Ray McKinnon, who moved to Wraith Rovers last month. An appointment, you think, will, will serve them well? I think it's a similar mould to to the one they took on with Ray McKinnon um, I mean Darren was actually highly linked with the Cowden Beast job before that was given to Colin Nish uh, as a player manager's role but he certainly I mean uh, looking at him over the past few seasons he's been before for with that at Falkirk and he seems to at those two clubs had big influences both on and off the park in terms of helping younger players to develop I think he'll know the Scottish leagues very well and he'll be able to pull in a couple of decent signings for them um, and certainly I think it's a, it's not a outstanding appointment, but it's a comfortable one, and I think he'll go in there and do a decent job. I'll cut you off there because you're talking about outstanding. That brings us on to Celtic finally being given permission to introduce safe standing area at Celtic Park. See what I did there. Um, do you think this will set a, a precedent for for other clubs to to move forward and and introduce safe standing to the stadiums? I would hope so. I think. It's it's good that it's you know it's one of the the biggest clubs not only in Scotland but in the UK that you know have to that have sort of that have got this accepted I think it's been going this way for a long time whereby safe standard I think needs to be introduced um, just sort of, well you know around the country and I think uh, I I do hope to see it uh, develop from here particularly you know. For me, and anyway, you know, at Ibrox because I think it really can add to the atmosphere um, compared to if you know you are told that you need you must sit and things like that. I think safe standing can only can only be a good thing. Yeah, the talk is, I think, at the moment that about around a section of about three thousand, which would obviously grow if it was popular. I think you'd have no problem at Celtic Park selling out three thousand standing sections. It would be at the start of next season, though, not this season. Staying with Celtic near Beaton has given the club a huge. Boost saying that he would like to stay at Celtic Park. He says the, the Scottish Premiership <coughs> might not be the most attractive, but Celtic are a huge club, and you need to play for this club to to know just how amazingly powerful it is. At the moment, I'm not thinking about a move to the EPL. All I want to do is stay at Celtic and keep improving myself as a player. He's obviously done really well in his his first kind of first main season. Uh, he was on the periphery of the squad last year. So I think that'll be really interesting to see how he kicks on, especially if he can play in the Champions League next year. Staying in the Premiership, but moving to Dundee United, Nadia Sifsi is set to play his final season at Tanadice after rejecting a new deal with Dundee United. 
There was that stuff on the final day of the season with his alleged bite on Jim McAllister. Dundee stood up for him powerfully. I wonder if there's a wee bit of kind of... I don't want to use the word blackmail, but I'm going to use it anyway. Um, in terms of signing a new contract, we'll stand up for you, but you have to sign a new contract. He obviously hasn't gone with that if that was the case. Do you expect Dundee United to, to change their stance now on that, that biting incident? I think it's starting to kind of drift away from that, that story. It was the end of last season, we're out a new, kind of going towards a new season. I'm not sure how much we'll hear about that, but I don't think Nana Chiefs will be a Dundee United player next season. I think he's rejected to offer a contract and people say, no, yeah, he'll stay this year. But I think what he's done there is he's started a kind of domino effect of, you know, I'll not sign, so then the club are kind of becoming wary. And I think going into his last year, if he does start this season on the night, I don't think he'll make it past January. But I think it'll be one of the cases where, you know, when it gets to January, a club will not need to offer that much and then the night will go, right, we'll, cl- we'll cut our losses. You know, we'll take some money for him and we'll let him move on, knowing that he's going to leave anyway. It might change his mind over the course of the season, but I do think there'll be heightened interest over him now, going into the new season. It wouldn't surprise me if he's not still on Tayside uh, come August. I mean, it could even, just if you were saying there, if it comes to the case in January, that, it, you know, a club, if his contract is running out, won't have to offer Dundee United yeah. any money. They could Similar case to the Mackay Stevens last exactly, year with Celtic. Pre-contract uh, agreement. Yeah, talking about moves, Paul Quinn has signed for Aberdeen and has... It's been revealed that Derek McInnes was a key man who sold him on the the, the whole kind of Pitaudry, um vision. Um, he was going to sign for them originally and then supposedly changed his mind, but then the influence from McInnes has, has kind of forced him to sign in the end. He could be a, kind of a good addition. I think he'll be a squad player. I don't think he'll be a, a terrific first-teamer, but he'll add a bit of depth, probably depth that they, they lacked last year, possibly. I think the, the defensive area was always something that they needed to put a bit more kind of firmness in. I mean, they had they've got a strong squad, but as you say, I mean, when we had discussions last year about Aberdeen going for a title, it was always said the squad just wasn't quite there. He's a sort of player that you're not going to have starting every week, but if you need him, he's a very strong standing to have, um, and somebody that will more than likely um, play a decent. Part in next season, and their aim to obviously go on and finish at least second again. Um, interestingly enough, he, he said he kind of backed out the move, and it was McInnes to persuade them again. I do think I can't underestimate just how strong a, a manager McInnes has become. I think he's improved a lot since he left St Johnston. He developed as a manager down in England, and he's now back in Scotland. Um, and it's it's taken obviously. It didn't really take McKenna's long to get started at Aberdeen. He's had an immediate impact. He's kept going, and of course, then he's gone on and signed a new two-year deal anyway as well, which kind of brought an end to any links he had with Rangers. Yep, that's kind of all that Scottish football has to offer. At this point, I would usually ask you what you expect to see in the next seven days, but there's kind of not really much happening. Well, Do you expect transfer business to kind of hot up a wee bit? I think this is the week where we will start to see um, transfers coming back. You're, obviously, I know... This doesn't affect Premiership teams, but down in the Championship, League One, League Two, your part-time teams, this is their first week back at pre-season. Um, I think, I mean, Al are back, Dumbarton are back, um, and certainly a lot of teams in League One and League Two are starting to bring their squads back together. Um, I do believe this is a week where movement will start to happen. I think going in the middle to the end of the week, your free agents will start to be really touting themselves about the place. Agents will be coming into full swing. We'll hear loads of rumours starting to go about 
half of them won't be true, but that's agents doing their jobs. And I think come this time next week, we'll see another decent amount of um, transfers having been done. Whether they're massive money, they won't be. But I think players will start signing up for teams and they'll be a look towards next season and, and starting to kind of take shape and squads slowly but surely starting to come together and really that's when we can start to look and see who's going to finish where. Anything to add on today's events? Yeah, I mean, t- t- just kind of follow on corners. I think, uh, I suppose if we're talking about the main news, I think we will start to see more developments uh, in terms of Rangers. I think now that we're we're edging ever closer, I suppose, to the to the start of the new season, which is ridiculous when you think that we've only just finished the last one. Clubs will start to, to really get their their deals in and, and things like that. Um, but as I say, it's it's an, it's a bit of an exciting time, especially for me personally. But um, yeah, I think I mainly just agree with Connor. I think we will start to see things uh, move in the, in the next few few weeks. Just an issue we didn't actually kind of. Uh, comment on that I've just seen there I had no idea about if I'm totally honest Burton Albion have signed Dundee United midfielder Callum Butcher after he rejected a new deal at Tannadice he's only 24 and was born in Essex so he's kind of heading back down to to his homeland but it's, it's an interesting move it kind of he was I always thought he was one of the the, the brighter sparks at Dundee United team last year so it's an interesting move that he's going down to a club the size of Burton Albion no disrespect well, you say the size of them, but I mean, they won League Two last year. I think they're one of these teams. I, I mean, I don't know that much about them, but I believe they're going to try and follow the almost the kind of your Fleetwood type model and, and, and kind of moving up the leagues and slowly but surely starting to push towards the Championship. Um, it'll take a bit of time, but I mean, it, you're right in what you said. It did seem a decent player, but then if, the, if he's come from down in England, it's no surprise to really see him go back down. I think hmm. we've seen it before a number of players. I mean, even look at I mean, Callum Higginbotham. He's went and signed a deal down there as well. And re, in, the, in that case, he's rejected to stay at Party Thistle to move to Kilmarnock um, to go back down to where he comes from. He did the same when he was at Falkirk. He went back down to Huddersfield. It's just one of these things. Sometimes a player feels. The minute England calls, it becomes yeah, the it's almost of, like a, an easy decision for them. Yeah. yeah, I just thought that was another interesting one. Thanks very much for your time today, guys, discussing the, the hot topics in Scottish football. I'm sure we'll reconvene at some point next week and there'll be more to talk about. Thanks for listening and goodbye.